0: Passive, words, MVP. This is Patterns of Development. Hey everyone, I'm Kyle Gulau and on this show, Patterns of Development, we take less than 10 minutes each week to deconstruct what's going on in real estate architecture and urban planning. We're thinking case studies, we're looking at data, we're thinking about peer reviewed work. What have other developers done? How can we consider this and inform our conversations in our own communities? My personal secret goal is that I'll build some pattern recognition and apply some of this experienced thinking in my own backyard. First up this week Passive House incentive programs for Massachusetts Clean Energy Center and Mass Save programs have sparked the growth of high performance multifamily buildings with thousands more units and developments that's the subtitle from an article by sarah semkis passive housing let's break down some of these words passive housing is a voluntary standard for energy efficiency in a building that's the definition from wikipedia thank you wikipedia how do we make our buildings a little bit better strategies include passive solar design and landscaping better insulation advanced window technology and air tightness the state of Massachusetts has seen about 257 affordable housing units built to the standard, and apparently there are 6,000 additional units in various stages of development, according to EnergyNews.com. Aaron Gunderson, executive director of Passive House Massachusetts, is quoted saying In Massachusetts, single family homes built to the passive house standard have been popping up since the early thousands, but the approach is particularly suited. For use in multifamily buildings, because they contain many units within one super-tight building envelope, the ratio of the exterior surface to living space can be very cost-effective. And until recently, however, developers were skittish about trying a new, higher-cost approach on these larger projects. In 2018, the Passive House Design Challenge awarded eight affordable housing developments $4,000 per unit for a total of $1.73 million. Then in 2019... Mass Save, the organization that administers utilities' legally mandated energy efficiency programs in Massachusetts, launched its own passive house incentives program available to both affordable and market rate developments. The incentives offer payments for each stage of building, including $5,000 being available for feasibility studies before development and up to $20,000 for pre-construction energy modeling. Additional money is paid out upon certification of the project completion. The latter program is certainly more intriguing. This is me putting on my small developer hat now. There's risk to passive housing to incur all these extra costs, the, the air tightness, the windows, the, the more efficient uh, water heaters, appliances in the house. There's a risk there. And if you don't meet those performance standards at the end of the project, you might not get the money. The feasibility studies and pre-construction modeling essentially gives developers the opportunities to invest upfront for free. All they're really spending is some time in their plan to make sure that they have a higher likelihood of success for hitting those passive milestones. So I like that program. Next up, more placemaking. I absolutely love this article where this is the title of the article where words fail, teach architects and urban designers like violinists as a former musician. And I say former because I haven't performed music publicly in years. This article really spoke to me. You don't really get to be a better musician by reading about it or being told about it. Those factors certainly help. Ultimately, you get better by experiencing it and performing it yourself. And the article here by Tristan Cleveland wonders what might happen if we train architects and planners to experience and practice placemaking for humans uh, rather than word making for humans or using words to make places for humans. And I love the article, so I'm going to quote this one particular phrase I really love. Words get projects approved and words get attention for architects in magazines and scholarly journals. Naturally, then, architects focus on what they can describe in words. Symbolism in particular gets attention, but symbolism alone cannot convince anyone to walk instead of drive. It cannot create a lively street where locals feel comfortable stopping and chatting, and it cannot make people feel grateful to be alive the way a truly wonderful street can. Maybe that last sentence is a little aspirational, but uh, I certainly like the, the sentiment. How can we design things that feel right? How do we design things... Not by words, but by feel. Musicians have tuners and metronomes. What do planners and architects have? And Hans Gell suggests uh, many use misguided scorecards. And that there's a simple solution here on how we can measure performance and check and adjust and reflect on success of projects. And it's measure where people choose to spend their time and where they don't. Then build more stuff like where people spend time. I love it. Creative thinking, bringing music, learning into real estate, and I couldn't resist sharing with you all. Last up, a word on density. In the software world, there's a term minimally viable product. I think the term was coined. Uh, If it wasn't coined, it was popularized by Eric Reese, the author of Lean Startup. And what happens is you create a product with just enough features to attract early adopters and validate your business idea, MVP, minimally viable product. Well, what's the MVP for our 15-minute neighborhood? What's that level of density that we need? What's the retail follows rooftops? How many retail spaces can we have based on how many rooftops? I'm sure there's formulas here, but success is where people are. And what's our minimally viable density that we need? And according to the article here, it's 7,500 residents per square mile. The article by Eric Colber. I think there's an Eric theme here. The 7,500 residents per square mile threshold is only met in 12 of the United States' 50 largest cities. But in the 1950s, That was the average population density for every U.S. central city, and I'm not sure exactly what Eric here meant when he said U.S. central city, but I think the point he's trying to illustrate is in 1950s, our cities were a lot more dense than they are today, and if you ask why it's a tale as old as time, there was a post-war boom, prosperity for most, and sprawl for all, and unfortunately, it's led us to less dense neighborhoods, which make that 15-minute neighborhood idea even harder to achieve, which leads us to our patterns of the week number one passive housing can be cost effective for multifamily developments number two planners developers architects should have one scorecard are people spending time here and number three mvp density 7,500 residents per square mile talk to y'all soon please email me kyle at patternsofdevelopment.com with any feedback thoughts questions topics to cover on future episodes that'd be awesome and of course the big shout out to Rafi. Everyone who talks to me about this podcast tells me they love the theme. Rafi, thank you. Everyone, please check out his music on Spotify. And with that, let's keep looking for the patterns and building better cities. Talk to you all soon.